Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Season 4 of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture and the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and in the studio with me today is my regular co-host, Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. And Matthew Aguilar. What up? Wait, Kofi, I like that as our new slogan. What? You, what did he just say? Something about doing it all for geek culture? That That's was like... Been our slogan for. Yeah, it was the way you worded it. I think it you worded good. it very specifically. It was cool. It was, it was so good. I like it. Awesome. <laughs> All right. We should get it on the Somebody record it and clip it. But, uh, <laughs> as we get into this today, we got a lot to talk about and uh, yeah, a lot of variety today. So we are going to be breaking down the new big fantasy TV wave that's rolling in. We have House of the Dragon on the Game of Thrones side. And this week we have the premiere of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. So we are going to be taking a look at both series again and kind of breaking down which each is about and how we feel about both and which one we like better, of course. We're also going to do an early review of Rick and Morty season six. I got to see it. I got to talk with the cast. Nice. So we are going to kind of give you guys just a look or just a hint of what's coming with that. No spoilers, of course. And we got to break down the latest episode of She-Hawk, which has people all abuzz for reasons both good and bad. And today we are going to be doing a big wrestling segment. We have this kind of trifecta where WWE, AEW, and NXT all have big events coming. So comic book wrestling is going to be very busy this weekend. And we have kind of a roadmap of what you guys should be looking out for. So all of that on Comic Book Nation. Let's get started right at the top. All right, so first things first, uh, let's talk about the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. This is the highly anticipated Lord of the Rings TV show adaptation slash prequel that was released by Prime Video. And uh, we got two episodes for the premiere. They released a bit early. They were supposed to come out today. They came out last night. Each is about a little bit over an hour. So which gives us about a movie length kind of premiere for this series. So. The Rings of Power is set in the second age of Middle-earth, uh, and it's kind of the story about, you know, there's a lot of kind of fantastical stuff that happens in the first age of, before, you know, the world beyond the world of Middle-earth and you know, the elves and all these spirits and people fighting. But this is kind of uh, the age when the pivotal, the pivotal acts of the rings of power being forged, Sauron kind of deceiving the world, getting them to make these rings before he could subjugate them with the uh, one ring to control them all. And then the, the kind of last alliance of elves and men came together to fight and kill him, which we saw in, the, in kind of the opening backstory of the Lord of the Rings movies, if you're just a fan of the films. Um, but J.R.R. Tolkien wrote a whole bunch about this age, the people, the characters, and what all is kind of going on in this. But of course, as always, the question is, how does all of that translate to a kind of mainstream audience, as was the challenge with Peter Jackson's film? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you take this massive world in history and lore that Tolkien you know, sketched out and make it something that mainstream viewers can kind of jump into. So I think that for the most part, the Rings of Power does a good job as an introduction of just laying out what the world looks like at this period and what the different races are and where they all kind of are in terms of coordination to one another. There isn't a whole lot in the way of like action and conflict in these first episodes because things are getting set up. 
And I think if you look at the critical consensus, <laughs> that's basically what's being said, mm -hmm. right. is that what we do get is, for me at least, interesting and has pulled me back into the world of Middle Earth. But this is kind of a real setup yeah. set of episodes, which is why they were probably released together. But by the end of them, we are hitting the ground like running. There is conflict, there are monsters, there's evil, yeah. and we're beginning to see things move. But um, as a stage setter, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the it's interesting if you've seen just the movies to kind of see the differences and characters you names you'll may recognize if you're if you're halfway decent at kind of catching these Lord of the Rings names. Like Galadriel is, you know, Kate Blanchett's character from the first movie. Elrond was Hugo Weaving in the, in the movies. And so you probably catch some of those, but there's still enough new things with the Harfoots instead of Hobbits <laughs> and <laughs> all of that in their culture and so stuff cute. to kind of keep it fresh. So not a bad start for me. What did you guys think of the Rings of Power? Well, I'm just really excited about blondes in general. Uh, we're really holding it down right now. Our graphic is showing House of the Dragon, um, but we're definitely talking about Lord of the Rings right now. So uh, it doesn't matter because everybody's blonde and it's great. <laughs> um, I, I loved it. Um, I will say that Lord of the Rings was never like my big nerdum um, thing. So I don't know a lot of the lore. I just know what I enjoyed. And, uh, and I liked it. Like I watched the movies in the theater because I had super nerd friends that were like, we have to go see this, but I've never read the books. I've only read the Hobbit book. Mm. Um, and oh, I of course enjoyed the films, but I wasn't like diehard the way that I was with kind of Harry Potter stuff. I just, it took me a little while to get there. Gotcha. Um, this for me is very exciting because I don't feel completely lost, you know, having seen those, but it also is it's really fresh to me because I haven't been in this world in so long. And now that I'm so in the geek culture, uh, I'm just, I'm living for it. Like I'm loving it. And I, a couple people in the comments said that it was a slow start. I felt that it was a really fast start, I, but I did watch episode one and two. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there was a lot of progression. I felt like I understood a lot of different aspects that were already happening in this world. Um, and all of the surrounding areas and with all these different, you know, backgrounds of characters. And I was really excited about it. So I'm pumped. Like, I want to see more. Uh, if we had to compare, do you like House of Dragon or this better? I'm going to go with House of Dragon. But this right. is still awesome. Yeah. No, I think that's a that's a good comparison. Because and I also think, as Kofi said, I think there are certain shows that are important for you to release multiple episodes at once to give a real sense of of things. If this had been the first episode only, I would not be as like high on it because I really did feel, they did a okay. lot. In those mm -hmm. two episodes, they do a lot. There's a lot of world yeah. setting. There's a lot of like, hey, that character's is this. Um, but I also really enjoy that there's like, not new stuff obviously, because like the family, right? The, the Harfoots, like that whole thing is, is awesome. I'm yes. already jazzed about that. Um, but you know, all, a lot of that comes from like one paragraph, right? And then it's like just expanded. You've and it's, so it's really these. like, have you read every book? No, oh, no, okay. I haven't read every book. Um, that's just honestly from, you know, research. Yeah, <laughs> and things that's like awesome. That. Kobe, um, have you read every book? No, I have not read it. I don't, I never read Lord of the Rings. I never okay. really got into those books. Like okay. I've tried yeah. several times. Well, there. that's good to know because oh. then, you know, we all kind of like it. Yeah, because yeah. my, my thing is from the movies. Like that was the what kind of really brought me back in, you know, into yeah. that world. I was familiar with certain things from the books. But yeah, I never really, I never read them. I never went into that all that. And it was one of those, a lot like Game of Thrones, where people were like, oh my God, why haven't you done this yet? Why aren't you reading these? And I was like, oh, you know, you know, I just never got around to it. Um, but, I, but I really like it. That said, I really like the show. I think it's doing some really cool things. It's mm -hmm. gorgeous, by the way. Oh, this this yeah. is a beautiful show. It really it feels like Amazon, the world. Who, who lacks money in no way, shape, or form, yeah. but it looks like they actually put money into it. <laughs> yeah, this. I mean, it is millions per episode, so yeah, and you can, can tell. Yeah. Yeah, we talked C about that with Halo, right? A little bit of yeah. like, overly ambitious for like what the budget was or could afford. Yeah, yeah. This is, that's no issue <laughs> so far. No, I mean the sea thing, they just showed it in the trailer, but like the whole sequence at sea with the big sea monster alone, it's just kind of like the budget on that was yeah. massive. They, they so, really are bringing a movie-like experience. Yeah, and just to, to kind show. of bring this back to people in the comments, um, first show note, um, 
I don't know what's going on with Twitch. I mean, this is like the oh. fourth week. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had internal discussions about it. We're apparently perpetually working on it, but we're trying. Twitch is, I know we have a lot of Twitch fans and we really kind of launched a lot on Twitch, but for the moment, like it's not working. So we are doing the live show over on our own YouTube page, which we're trying to grow anyway. So if you guys could help us Yay. out, just head on over to the YouTube page. It's a uh, YouTube backslash comic book nation and subscribe while you're there. And YouTube has been working fine for us. There's a mm-hmm. comment section. And until we get this whole Twitch thing figured out, I'm sorry about it to all our Twitch fans because we love Twitch and we love our yeah. Twitch fans. But yeah, this is like the fourth week. And like I said, I've beat my head against the wall and had all the internal discussions and been sworn we're paying the internet bill and been sworn <laughs> that the internet guy is working on it and getting sworn that our other shows, there's no conspiracies, why our other shows are running and all of that. But here we are. So yeah, just uh, hop on over to the YouTube and join us because uh, yeah, we're having fun over here. And yeah. some people are saying it's too early to compare. Well, I mean, I get sure. it, but uh, sort of. I mean, House of the Dragons had two. Right. Oh. Lord of the Rings has had two. Point. They're both prequels. We waited to a two and two. <laughs> they're both prequels. So yeah, we waited for a two and two, and they're both trying to pull us into franchises that kind of exhausted themselves. Oh, yeah, the Hobbit movies fair. exhausted themselves. Yeah. The mm-hmm. last season of Game of Thrones exhausted itself. So. Um, I think it's a pretty fair comparison. Yeah, all in the game. I think we're going to try to get these YouTube uh, resolutions up and kind of get a 1080p. We want something. We're making a show here that is streaming on TV. We're, we stream on Mixable on Paramount Plus Friday nights, and like, so yeah. we're making a TV show here. So yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna keep tweet we're gonna keep tweaking this. So yeah, don't worry about and that. We are in the chat, so if yeah. you come to YouTube, we are definitely answering yeah, questions. Yeah. Um, and for me, I like Lord of the Rings too, but I, I do like House of the Dragon a little bit better. I think just. I mean, it's nothing to do with production or anything. I just think yeah. the story hits the ground a little bit more in a gripping way. Um, but a House of Dragon can also scar us in really significant ways that this show is clearly right. not going to do. Um, but yeah, and some interesting things already coming out of this show, not to spoil anything, but there's some a big character introduced at the end of the first episode that people have theories on. And I like that it's keeping us guessing with as, you know, there are actual token scholars that people who do that for a career. Yeah. So, I mean... I think even those people will be kind of kept guessing a little bit as to what's going on here. And so that's good. So I'm not mad at what this show has done. And, you know, it was ambitious to do this, but Amazon looks like so far they are pulling it off reasonably well. So I'm not mad at uh, the Rings of Power at all. I think I've got um, Anissa just about ready to give it a shot. To, yeah. give, to give Lord of the Rings a shot because she's never seen the movies. Yeah. She's never seen all the stuff and she's heard about it though. And I was like, which one? Well, actually I told her, I was like, look, here's the thing. Uh, House of the Dragon, I don't know if you can handle that first episode. That first episode has that, that particular scene would be supremely rough. Right. So I was like, I don't know if you handle that, but um, let's, let's, you know, let's give Lord of the Rings a shot. So she's, she's down. I yeah, think, my so. fiance is like, I can't believe you watched Lord of the Rings without me. I'm like, well, podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I have she a permanent me, excuse. <laughs> she won't let me watch She-Hulk without her. Like, yeah. it's done. Like, that's not a thing we do anymore. I'm like, can't you know. get him into any of the Disney Plus shows, no. but I can get him into these, so. Um, yeah, and, and from the comments, too, yeah, the cast of both shows are, are killing it. There mm-hmm. are oh already gosh, standouts yeah. um, in both Rings of Power and House of the Dragon like young Millie Alcock playing young Rhaenyra is is awesome. The um, oh, I'm trying to see. Lord of the Rings has so many people. Uh, Morfid <laughs> Clark as Galad Galadriel. Galadriel is is awesome. Ismail Cruz Cardova as the you know the elf guy mm-hmm. who's clearly yeah. in love with the human healer. Um, yeah, uh, Nazanin Bonaldi as the healer, and you know it's they're all doing great. So. No hate on either of these shows. Um, what about, before we get on, move on, House of the Dragon, episode two, uh, pulled in just as many, if not more viewers than episode one. It's killing it. And uh, yeah, I really liked episode two. I thought it was a great follow-up to episode one. And uh, we even had kind of a nice minor skirmish conflict face-off at an iconic location for Game of Thrones, which was Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw Damon Targaryen and Matt Smith getting to chew a little more scenery and have a little more fun messing with people. He's so good. And we got into the usual kind of thing we love about Game of Thrones, which is the politics, the backstabbing, the family drama, and even though it's a talkie, having these intense conversations, which we know will, you know, people are going to get killed we'll afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and we even got a villain in the Crab Feeder who is has oh his own gosh. series of lore in Game of Thrones. That's gross. Um, 
Yeah, and That's so yeah, lot. House of the Dragon. There's I can't believe one. there's always one in every episode. If you're oh like yeah, that. you got it, got to scar people. Really hard to watch. Or it's not Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know all the creepy, possibly marrying off children stuff. You know. Yeah, oh my gosh. And yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I forgot about it until you just brought it up. Yeah. That was so bad. Yeah, it's not going to get better before it gets worse. But uh, uh, you know. God. Yeah, this Game of Thrones for you. Like I said, a little different than Lord of the Rings. I was going to say, uh, fan fantasy just has a knack for that, right? Law yeah. surprise. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of those. Well, actual fantasy. history has a knack for that. Uh, <laughs> That's very fantasy true. is so just true. taking. Wow. Very true. Very true. Wow. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Barkwood Comics. Yeah, I did a whole article breaking down and it and it nearly broke me, but uh, it took many days of going down a deep hole of tracing the whole Targaryen family tree, the relevant parts Amazing. that you need to know about from House of the Dragon to Game of Thrones. There's some spoilers in there. A lot of good research in there, though. But uh, yeah, and it shows you kind of a funny story about this family and how their life kind of in their timeline keeps going in these circle patterns. Don't marry your sisters. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Don't marry your sisters unless you live in unless you live in Shelbyville. If you live in Shelbyville, then I guess you then there to marry your wow. cousins. If you take all anything right. away from this episode, that is it. Don't yeah, marry yeah. your sisters. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one to take away. Um, all right, but uh, anybody else thoughts? Wrap ups on House of the Dragon episode two. I just love Damon. He's not as like terrible as I thought. Like I kind of feel for him. And I, I love that they're actually not just like full villainizing this, this wait, uncle, this uncle of our girl, because I was so worried that he was just going to like injure her or like take her out or something. And um, I'm really liking that. I, I'm kind of on his side. Like it is kind of messed up. And so I feel like we're all going to start pulling like who, what team are we on? Like, who do we yeah. want? And right now I'm on his. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Need to get you a shirt. It's gonna be see, interesting <laughs> to see how this. But it's just because of Doctor Who. Let's just be real. It's gonna be interesting <laughs> to see how this shakes out week to week. All right, um, I'm gonna do uh, my little plug here before we take a break uh, for Rick and Morty season six. So, <laughs> Rick and Morty's coming back this Sunday for season six. I got to see the first two episodes and talk to the cast. Um, yeah, and. I think the biggest thing to say about Rick and Morty season six is the continued influence of kind of new producer Scott Martyr, who's worked on a lot of shows, including like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He came in like season five, but he comes in. I mean, his whole MO is coming into long running comedic shows and being able to help streamline and kind of turn things around. And while I love Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, I do like that Rick and Morty is in its maturity as it ages, getting a more creative team, people in place who are kind of taking the show in a more, not just, you know, making fun of its own canon and messing with fans about that, but actually getting done, coming out year after year and dealing with some of the main things that fans want to. And so I will just say the premiere is kind of in line. If you know Rick and Morty, uh, it's kind of a mix of the season three premiere and the season two premiere in that it's an episode that very much takes on some of the canonized stuff we've seen and picks up the cliffhanger of season five, but also manages to do this kind of sci-fi high concept thing that is for this episode interesting in and of itself. So it kind of hits the ground running and the second episode is again, another kind of high concept sci-fi thing with a lot of character drama. But it seems like Rick and Morty has really found itself in terms of being able to mix kind of the raunch comedy, the sci-fi stuff and actual character arcs and drama and now these characters, and we know them, they know themselves, they found the show. And there's just a sense that they're now leaning into the character of it all a little bit more instead of the irreverence and, you know, playing with these characters, I building them that. up and putting them in different situations and never losing the Rick and Mortiness of it all. Right. Yeah. But it being a little bit more meaningful and, and less just kind of adolescent hijinks. And that so, actually uh, makes me excited about Yeah, it. it's not bad at all. And uh, I very much enjoyed the the kind of <coughs> the first two in the beginning and where this season is already and how much excitement they've already put into the season as a whole arc mm -hmm. and as individual episodes. So going to be on, on the lookout for that. Yeah. Sunday adult swim. Rick and Morty is back. I'm sure I don't have to sell it too much. I'm sure by now there's enough people who oh, are yeah. eagerly anticipating this. Um, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> some people point out so many Rick and Morty alum are now working in the MCU. Yeah, uh, Michael Waldron, Waldron. Yeah, there's a lot of people who did Rick and Morty who 
trying to help the MCU sp- <laughs> sort out that whole mess. And we did, I did ask Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland both about how they feel about seeing people like Marvel try to take on some of the multiverse stuff they've done in Rick and Morty. And they were surprisingly supportive. So we have those interviews on comicbook.com, anime. So uh, check that out. And there'll be lots of Rick and Morty coverage this, this weekend. We're explaining everything. We're breaking down everything on comicbook.com, anime, which covers all our Adult Swim stuff. So uh, be sure to keep an eye out for that. <laughs> I do. Uh, I mean, Rick and Morty should be a primetime <laughs> Emmy nominee, Trey, Whirl, uh, Trey Whirls. We, we, we should be able to say that. I mean, it is probably one of the top animated shows running of this era. So I'm not mad at that. All right. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we have so much more fun stuff to talk about. We got to talk about the latest issue of She-Haw, our latest issue, the latest uh, episode of She-Haw. <laughs> We got to talk about everything that's going to be going down and wrestling this weekend. And of course, this wouldn't be Comic Book Nation if we didn't talk about comics as well. And so it's some pretty epic comics to talk about this week. So stay tuned. Be back with us. We'll be back after the break. Subscribe to the YouTube while you're waiting. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture in the official podcast of comicbook.com. We're back. We just discussed both the Lord of the Rings TV series, Rings of Power, and House of the Dragon, episode two. Plus, we gave you guys a taste of what's coming in Rick and Morty season six this weekend. Uh, But now, it's time to talk about She-Hulk. So, just real quick, we have She-Hulk Episode 3 that is now out on Disney+. And um, for me, this wasn't like the biggest episode. It was a very sitcom episode. Uh, I mean, they even make fun of it in the episode talking about their A and B storylines and things like that. But uh, definitely with some highlights, we got to see more of Tim Roth returning as Emil Blonsky, (laughs) the abomination for his court case. Uh, We got to see a funny, this was kind of the first time in the series I think we've had a legitimate B storyline where you had a pug defending Jen's old, uh, I forget his name, but old douchey uh, law firm buddy in this kind of light elf scam, shapeshifter (laughs) scam featuring Megan Thee Stallion, who of course made her, (laughs) nobody could keep that under wraps, you know, leading into this episode. We tried here, I told you guys, I teased it when I had seen the first four episodes of She-Hulk, but uh, I kept my mouth shut. Yeah, you never let on. Nope, I wanted people to be surprised, but of course, Uh. no no secrets stay secret in this industry. So yes, Megan Thee Stallion uh, made a big cameo appearance on She-Hulk, and now the world can't handle the post-credit scene we got of She-Hulk twerking with Megan Thee Stallion, which seems to have broken quite a few people's brains. But uh, <laughs> for me, this was just kind of a standard sitcom episode. I mean, obviously the highlight was having the whole abomination stuff. Oh, also we got, people are also mad about the debut of the Wrecking Crew, quote unquote, that we got this kind of comedic version of the Wrecking Crew, but um, I think the show, this episode also kind of illustrated what She-Hulk can do with Mm -hmm. so much with just one episode. We did this whole Incredible Hulk resolution thing with the Abomination and set him up for a possible future in the MC, next chapter in the MCU. We did a celebrity cameo. We had all these little Easter eggs, like, you know, about the Wrecking Crew and who they're working for and why are they trying to get She-Hulk's blood and all those questions. 
And so, yeah, this show can do so much with Marvel lore and set up so many things. Oh, and of course, Wong was back. We had a Doctor Strange came oh, There's a lot going wow. on here. Um, so we had a Doctor Strange kind of crossover with Wong playing a more prominent role in this episode. So, yeah, to me, it was just a good kind of basic episode, but one that it would be my kind of example of what She-Hulk, how much She-Hulk can do mm -hmm. in the span of just a sitcom to kind of move things around in the MCU. So... Oh yeah, beautifully that was my takeaway. Yeah, beautifully said. I mean, it was it was different. It's different than the other two episodes, and to me, it makes it feel a little bigger now that we have the Wrecking Crew and whatever that's going to turn into. It's not just episodic. Like we're going to solve this one case in this one episode, and then yeah. we're going to solve another case. And it felt like okay, there's going to be like an, a larger picture. That was the first time I really felt that in this series so far. So, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm loving every episode. This is one of my favorite shows on Disney Plus, like, ever. And that makes me excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and a uh, shout out to the VX artists. You know, a lot yeah. of stuff has been said about Marvel VX artists, but it's not all work, guys. Sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta animate some She-Hulk <laughs> ass twerking, you know? That's not a bad job. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine, imagine like coming home from work during that, like you're working on that sequence. They're like, hey, what are you working on right now? Well? No, I want to imagine the meetings. Like people sat down, they did physics, they had like aerodynamic charts of like, how does a butt move? They probably had to watch endless twerking videos to really oh get a God. sense of how a woman oh, with that amazing. large, with those kinds of assets would be Muscles, moving. Yeah, it's Like, yeah, I mean, I would have been there just for the research team, yep. you know? If Marvel ever needs VX research like that again, holla at you. All right. Too. This is my favorite episode of the show, by the way. Oh, this oh. Was, all right, we'll yeah. go in, why? Uh, nice. well, because I feel like finally, like the, Whereas the first two episodes, mostly the first episode, really felt like, oh, this is an MCU show. Like, this is an MCU tie, right? And then the second episode, I felt like was kind of half, was kind of split between that. I was trying to find what it wants to be. And here, everything crystallized. Like, the, it, it crystallized it to what we kind of, or a lot, I won't say all of us, but a lot mm -hmm. of people wanted from a She-Hulk series, which was this kind of sitcom-style format from beginning to end. Like, this felt like a complete thing like it really settled into its sense of humor the you know looking at the camera poppins all snapped they were all funny they were they were real quick and move away right yeah. it, it was it felt like it knew what it wanted to do the long stuff where that pops in and like the the comedic timing of it was very much you know uh reminiscent of some of those kind of great um some of those fun law procedural comedies that we've had in the past like it really felt like it settled and also i will say um, just Maslani is just like so natural in this role yeah. and the stuff she's doing just with the other supporting characters. Also, the B plot was genuinely funny. I laughed out loud several times because you know it's always the elf. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, it's always know. the person. Yes. You always know, always know it's her, the judge. And like everyone looks over and like the fact that everyone else is in on the gag, but it's still like this person, like she was arrested solely because of impersonating the judge. She didn't actually do any time <laughs> other than for that. Everything was just money, right? So Sorry. it was it was great. I just really enjoyed this. And I will say Tim Roth, I like watching Tim Roth in anything is always super fun. He's just having fun with this part. Like all the pen pal oh wives in the, in the back. There's just so many, and even in the after credits, not the after credits, sorry, the credits themselves like are still kind of having yeah. fun telling stories where he's in the bus and they're all chasing after oh him. That's just gosh. a piece of artwork. But it, again, adds to the story. I really enjoyed this. I feel like if we keep going where this is the style from here on out, mm -hmm. this will, this is, will move up my ranks. For, for um, I just want to point out something that people have been saying kind of online about like Tim Roth and Abomination. And, you know, it, Marvel and the makers of this show made it clear when it started that like when we have characters who come to She-Hulk, like they are going to be comedic. So like Emil Blonsky in this version, yes, he was super serious soldier in The Incredible Hulk, but when he's on She-Hulk, he's gonna be a little bit funnier. Yeah. We're gonna get Zen Blonsky. Um, we, the Phase Zero, our other podcast, Phase Zero host, Jamie Girac, did an interview with Tim Roth this week. And he also suggested that it's quite possible that Emil Blonsky is just playing the system and that there could be more to Abomination Ooh. once he gets out of jail which, you know, spark your Thunderbolt theories now, 
but um, that he could just be doing this to get out of jail. And that old kind of conniving Emil Blonsky could very well still be there. He didn't say that out loud, but he did kind of hint like, is it? Is this how yeah. he really is right now? Like, you know, he kind of threw doubt. Um, yeah. So uh, check that out. That's over on uh, Marvel, our Marvel page. So be sure to check that out. But um, yeah, so just remember that whoever is coming into She-Hulk is going to take on a more comedic angle right. for right. that. Because this is what that show is. <laughs> it doesn't mean that all, the, any of these characters, including She-Hulk, won't have more serious things to do right. when they're not in She-Hulk. So uh, keep an eye out. I will say just this is my favorite part of Wong, the version of Wong. Oh, yeah. I like this version of Wong even more than I did Multiverse of Madness. Like, he feels like he's on his, like, he's actually doing his job, number one. Mm -hmm. Which, please, a Sorcerer Supreme actually doing their job is like a novelty in, in the Marvel <laughs> Universe. So he's doing his job. He's super busy. He's very polite, but, like, also very to the point of, like, no, I took him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I took him and I did this. And they're, like, they confront him, like, you committed a crime. And he's like, oh, okay, I have to, I have to go now. But he's very yeah. polite about it. I just love, if we can keep this Wong and everything else, I'm no, good. I mean, I'm loving Wong as like the new he's Nick great, Fury. He's great, man. Um, Benedict great. Wong is hilarious. He's got a lot, of, got a lot of great skills. So whenever he shows up, it's a good time. Yes, and he was a great Target employee. Yeah. Wong. Um, <laughs> all right. So that's She-Hawk. Sounds like we're still all on board for that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, moving right along then, let's talk and uh, get our uh, special guest in here yeah. so we can talk about some wrestling. Uh, special guest, well, more like regular fourth member of this little like an Beatles trio. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's Connor Casey who's back with us today. Yay, Connor! And um, all right, Connor, you and Matt, you guys get some time to talk about everything that is going down in the wrestling world. And uh, it seems like you guys are going to be busy this weekend. Uh, yeah, there are three. <laughs> it's it's a rare thing. There are three uh, shows this this weekend. We got three different. I will say two pay per views and a premium live event, which still sounds dumb when I say it out loud. <laughs> Here's the issue with that. Do you pay for Peacock? Then you are paying to view the pay per view. So that's why that PLE never makes sense. That's true. Very true. Yeah, I get it free through my Xfinity subscription. So technically, I have to call it a premium live event. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, everyone else has to uh, to do it. Of course, we have uh, Clash at the Castle. And then we have, for NXT, we have Worlds Collide. And then it's capping off with AEW's All Out. So like, not only do we have like three different events, but also two really big ones. Uh, WWE is super hyped up. Clash at the Castle, and then All Out is one of, obviously, AEW's biggest, biggest shows. So, um, you know, kind of going just from there, just broadly, I guess, Connor, uh, who, which show has the best lineup? Like, which is the one that uh, you're looking forward to the most? I feel like I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway. So, Matt, I'm actually going to play against character a little bit on this one, because <laughs> looking at all three cards... I think Triple H is going to walk away from this weekend as the winner because he is going to prove that less is more. And in that all out, while there are some great matches mm -hmm. sure. there, and I'll, I'll name a couple for you. They're batting a thousand when it comes to the Kenny Omega, Hangman Page and Buck storyline. And I don't think this weekend is going to be any exception. I think that four way interim women's title match is going to be great. It's gonna be I think this weekend could be the crowning moment for Athena while also moving Jade Cargill into the next stage of whatever they want to do with her. And I think just having Eddie Kingston versus Ishii casually on the kickoff show is madness. And it's the kind of madness that I absolutely love. My issue with All Out is that I don't think there's a way to book CM Punk versus John Moxley that satisfies everyone. Having a 30-minute competitive match will have complaints. Since the first match was a three-minute squash, people are going to go, wait, why didn't Mox just kill him again. Moxley winning outright isn't going to satisfy the people in the Chicago crowd where it's taking place. And I don't think they pulled the trigger all the way on a heel turn from Punk. Mm -mm. So if he just straight up wins and it's the Rocky three ending, you're going to have a lot of angry critics online being like, but why did Moxley beat him so easily the first time? So, whereas with Clash of the Castle, I think it's a lot easier to make people happy, mm -hmm. especially if they're going the direction I think they're going with Roman and Drew. Um, also, just the sheer fact of you're in a UK crowd. It's the first stadium show they've had in 30 years. If you've ever seen British wrestling crowds, they are their very own breed. 
and they take a lot of notes from uh, soccer matches. So uh, expect a lot of singing and constant chant. It is it, that that show just for the crowd alone is going to be a lot of fun. So I think WWE walks away the winner as a result of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's hard to argue with that. I I will say for me, it's it's very much that. I think the combined, you know, while obviously like Worlds Collide is not going to be kind of put up on the level of either of those two pay-per-views, right? Because those are like mm-hmm. two main roster things. I still think it's a supremely strong card on the Worlds Collide thing. So I feel like we'll still have some, I mean, you had me at Carmelo Hayes, and Ricochet, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a banger. That's gonna be a great match. And there's several of those matches, like the tag team match. That's gonna be great. So like, there's we've got uh, two unification title matches, and like those are gonna be fun. So there's a lot going on there. So I think the combined like NXT Worlds Collide as a nice little you know kind of appetizer, if you will, to that, and then combined with Clash of the Castle's strong card, I think that is it. Also. Um, I agree with you on the Punk and Moxley stuff. I think um, I was I was fine with the squash if we then move Punk into that full heel. If like that's the mechanism we need to get him into that full heel mode, cool. I'm cool with that. It was a swerve. It was you know it, it shocked everybody. Cool. And then we move him into the next phase. And then he gave that promo, and I didn't like that promo. At all, <laughs> I was, uh, was I, I just did not. It's probably the one that I've probably the worst one since Punk has come to AEW. He's, he's been killing it on the mic as always, but that one was just weird. One in execution, but two just because it gave us this weird like, okay, well, what are you? <laughs> we don't right. we don't know where you are in this. So uh, I agree with you. I think a lot of people are going to be pissed either way, and and that's a booking pretzel that I don't even know if Tony Khan <laughs> can figure out yeah. and unravel. Um, but all out still has a strong uh, has a still has a strong lineup. I guess two, overall, two notes on, on that is if that had been spread out, the squash, mm-hmm. then the hey, I'm doubting myself, and the pep talk from Ace Steel, where he's basically playing Mickey to Punk's Rocky. That's true. Yeah. If that had taken place over the span of two months, yeah, I think this flows a lot better than the fact that it's taking place over two weeks. So why and do you think also, they did that? I, I think it was a simple matter of they wanted, and Tony talked about this on the call yesterday. They wanted to do something different. That instead of the, you know, we're just going to have these two talk in the ring for three straight weeks, you know, trading verbal barbs, they wanted to think outside the box a little bit and go, okay, we have the squash. Punk has to overcome his mental instability following the injury. Now we get the real match. Doesn't work for everybody. He said outright that he's not going to try this every time. I feel like this was their attempt at trying something different. So okay. that's why we got it the way we did. And you also mentioned just the matches for Worlds Collide and Clash. When you add them together, it's 11 matches. Yeah. That is the That equals the number of <laughs> main card matches yeah. for All Out on top of another three. So when I brought up earlier the whole less is more attitude, yeah. I think some people are just going to like Clash more because it's going to be a clean three hours and six matches. Whereas yeah. All Out, we're going to be sitting there 11 going, God, we've still got three matches left. Well, that's OK. So that has actually been a pattern that has happened. The last couple of events I have mm-hmm. I, I have watched for AEW have been really good. Like they've had great matches and they've had killer moments. But my God, there is this tone of like, OK, I'm good. Like I'm done. <laughs> I don't need another one. And like last time, obviously, or, uh, you know, like before, right, when they stretched it for the NBA play, I understand like circumstances like that. That's different. But just overall, there is a lot of that, like putting too much on that on that card. There's a couple matches that don't need to necessarily be here. They can be saved for something else. And I think the best way you combat that is you take your dynamites and your rampage that week of because they're doing this thing now where they just make it a whole week of Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. We've got the same arena all three weeks. Yeah. Make those your pay-per-view weeks. Make it yeah. like, hey, this is the all-out episode of Dynamite, the all-out episode of Rampage, and the all-out pay-per-view. And yeah. split the matches up so that A, Rampage is actually, you know, must see television all of a sudden. And B, all out doesn't feel like a seven hour marathon. Right. Agreed. No, I think that's a good thing. And, and before we move on to the next thing, um, Gunther versus Shame is going to be a slam. That is going to be great. 
<laughs> and I'm so happy Gunther is not like being written off TV and stuff as, as those reports said of the old regime. Uh, and then for Athena, I think you're right. I think that happens. And then Jade can move into that AEW world championship picture, right? Mm -hmm. um, is the natural next, next step for her. Um, so I, I think and that's one, great. One last thing we do need to consider with this weekend is that this is the first true Triple H production mm -hmm. when it comes to pay-per-view. You know, you can say SummerSlam was the first of his era, but all of those matches were booked by Vince. Yeah. And mo the vast majority of the TV building up to that show was a Vince production. This is 100% pure cut. This is Triple H. Yeah. And I think he is looking at that as, I got to make a big impact. This is my first stadium show we got to do some stuff that gets people talking. I agree. And so that, that leads us to our last thing, you know, because we're looking at this, the triple H era has been very promising so far. It's, it's gotten off to a, a really fun start. So yes, this is kind of that first big benchmark um, moving forward. And then of course, coming off of this for con, you know, there's a lot of questions and things like that. AEW has had their own little bit of, you know, uh, kerfuffle stuff behind the scenes, right? So people are looking at what he can do for the future. What are two moves or changes or even just matchups that you want to see happen moving forward? That'll kind of, for you, be, be what sets it off into a right direction for both companies. So, okay. So for WWE, I am not trying to pick on this guy, but it, it immediately popped in my head when you asked the question, send Dominic down to NXT. He, he gets so much time on Raw, and the poor kid just needs to cut his teeth in the Performance Center and on NXT proper. He, he, he didn't know quite how to use the kendo stick when he had Rhea standing there. That storyline's getting a little a little kinky for my taste, you know. I, you know, every everybody has everybody has different strokes for different folks, but uh, I I don't see where this goes on public national television. Um, you know, tw Twitter is an entirely different story, and they're fun. But the other big change, and it ties into the main event, and it's split the championships. I have seen so many predictions this week where I have not heard a convincing argument for why Drew McIntyre should not win. And I've heard, oh, what about The Rock at WrestleMania? The Rock has told this very website he is not coming back from a championship reign. So why on earth does Roman need to have the title if you're running the match anyway? Cody Rhodes is in the background. He only wants the WWE championship. He does not about the universal championship so when he comes back it's a bit of a miss it, it doesn't make quite make sense that he's chasing after a title he doesn't really care about when all of the story momentum is for the other one raw for as good it has been in the last couple of weeks it does not have the momentum it needs and it gets with a world champion somewhere on the card and you need to have that split and roman has outright said my schedule's not changing it's stay in this part-time form and USA Network is sitting here going, well, why don't we have a world champion when Fox occasionally gets one? So split the titles, have Drew win, and we don't need to complicate this. He can come out the next night on Raw and say, you know what? I've been chasing the WWE championship for two years. I do not have the same connection with the universal title. And I think it was a mistake that these were unified. I am relinquishing the universal championship. Let's SmackDown figure that out and let me go back to being Raw's champion and actually get to do it in front of fans like I couldn't do it two years ago. Or if you want to throw a little bit of wrinkle in it, because he hasn't been on TV in a minute, have Paul Heyman come out the next night and said, <laughs> because I'm the wise man, I changed up the contract. Last night's match was only for the WWE Championship. Roman Reigns still has the Universal title. And go from there. Split the titles. Bring order back into this thing. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um I but as for as for AEW, the, yeah. this one's these ones are a little bit simpler. Your roster is basically healed up. Take a breath, mm -hmm. get back to long term storytelling, and then you can relieve the pressure of an overinflated roster by getting that Ring of Honor deal done. I don't know what is holding that back. I don't know how much of that is Zaslav and what's going on with Warner Brothers Discovery, but it needs to happen so that. Dynamite can get back to being the consistently great show it should be. 
I think those are all great, by the way. Um, I will say, because um, wrapping this up in a bow, I will say for both rosters, I have one that applies to both. Um, I love the returns. This is awesome. It's awesome to see. And these were people I enjoyed. <laughs> like I, I like Karrion Cross. I like Scarlet. I like Hit Row. I like a lot of. I love Dakota Kai. Like I love. No love for Dexter Loomis. How dare you? Dexter Loomis. I, yeah, I love that. The fact that Index is back just makes me happy in general. I, I just love that. Right. So we've got some great Johnny Gargano's back. Right. So there's amazing returns, and I love it. However, I don't want it to be because, of course, there's rumors of another person returning on Raw. Right. So. I don't want it to be like we ha- we need to like just bring everybody back because then we're back to maybe like having too not having enough TV for everybody. And to me, that is something that is hurting AEW right now. So for AEW, I also say stop signing people. <laughs> Find TV for the people. There's a lot of people, very talented people that are getting kind of lost in the shuffle over there. And so I like, hey, I know you have hours of TV on YouTube and stuff, but People are looking at Dynamite and Rampage, right? People look at Raw and SmackDown. Like, I get it. And NXT, obviously, but it's kind of its own thing. So stop signing people. Both. Stop bringing everybody back. Stop signing everybody. And let's maximize who we have. Um, The other one I would say for, for WWE is, you know what? I kind of agree with you. I don't know if it happens here. But I do think soon, very soon, we gotta, we got to split the titles so Raw can have its own and SmackDown can have its own to free up storytelling possibilities. Um, on the AEW side, I will say uh, it's Tony time. So if you're not going to have Thunder take that title and continue to have that title because obviously injuries and things like that. Okay, so uh, let's start that train, shall we? Let's start the Tony Storm train because uh, it's going to be awesome. Well, well, that was the plan, so they're probably just going to go ahead with it anyway. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. So, yeah, that is wrestling. Of course, you can catch all of our wrestling coverage right here uh, over the entire weekend uh, at comicbook.com, and we will have tons to say about it. Uh, look for our predictions as well soon. So, thank you, Connor. Appreciate it, man. Later. All right. <clears throat> thank you, Connor, for coming on and talking some wrestling with us. Yeah. Lot to watch this weekend. If you're a wrestling fan, as you just heard, be sure to get in and uh, see how all our predictions shake out over the course. Keep your eyes glued to comicbook.com backslash WWE or wrestling. I forget what our page is called. I think it's still just called <laughs> WWE. Yes. That is a complicated answer, but yes, we are, we are comic book wrestling. <laughs> okay. All right. Wrestling. So there you go. Bang. Final segment today, Matt, take it away. What are our comic books of the week? All right. So first off, we're going to lead with uh, we had a, this is definitely a, uh, <laughs> a fifth week in comics. So I felt bad because literally I looked around and I was like, a lot of these books are annuals and a lot of them are like special one shots and nothing short of like 30 something pages. <laughs> they were all like 80 and 46. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. So we're going to start off with uh, Amazing Fantasy number 1000, obviously celebrating Spider-Man's. Uh, and this was a, a really, this is again, a lot like their other collections, right? It's a collection of short stories, a bunch of different creators that uh, people will know and love. And uh, it starts off very, I thought anyway, it started off very strongly. Uh, this is one that like, I didn't really understand where this story about a kind of small time uh, crook is going and Spider-Man just seems to have it out for him, right? And I just love how they take that. And by the way, we will be getting in the spoilers on these comics because uh, I find it hard not to talk about it without talking about spoilers. Um, but this one kind of starts off with a very like, why are you messing with me? And like you see this story play out over years and Spider-Man just keeps or keeps apprehending this one dude. And then it's this kind of fun, lighthearted story. And then it takes a real quick segue, a real quick twist. And then you're just like, like it just all kind of comes together and resonates in this moment of like, oh, well, of course, this is the reason he keeps finding him because yes, his crimes are small in the grand scheme of things. They're not alien invasions and they're not these big world conquering things, but they've had a profound effect on people and Peter specifically. And just the way the artwork brings all that together, I thought was was really cool. Um, there's a couple other stories. There's a great story that I loved where uh, it's actually in the future and he's it's his 60th birthday. That's my favorite of these. Is that guys. your favorite? Well, I'm going to let you get in no, on that one then because I mean, I'm just, it's just so good. You're going to wrap it up perfectly. But guys, this is like so touching and <laughs> kind of heartbreaking. And I was not ready. I was not ready for this, Matt. 
it's uh, it, it really hits the things. It's it's basically set in the in the future when he's he's turning sixty and he's still Spider Man. He's still doing his thing, still saving people. But like, there's a little bit of that. You know, all oh, the reflexes don't quite work as quick as they yeah. used to and stuff. And then it ends up in this really like I really honestly at one point thought, oh my god, they really killed. Him. Like yeah, I, no, me too. I really thought they killed him. Me too. And then it kind of goes back into the heartwarming. MJ steals the show. Oh, absolutely. In this in MJ this story. Is so good in this. But there's a lot of really fun stories here. They're not all like that kind of super deep. Some of them are fun. Some of them take a little more of an analytical look on him. So I just thought there was a lot to really like here. I don't always recommend giant 80 page books. Uh, but this yeah. one, I think if you're, especially if you're a Spider-Man fan, this is Even this is if you're it. not the biggest Spider-Man fan. Oh, you're not, that's right. I mean, it's not, it's, I, I, I'm not into the MCU Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, but that I'm terrible for that. <laughs> like everybody like tells me all the time. Uh, but comic book Spider-Man has like won my heart, especially with this. And I feel like even the like less heavy stories, mm -hmm. they're still so wholesome yeah. and like lovely. And that's what I love <coughs> about Spider-Man. Like that's what I'm really loving about this. It's just like, it, he's so genuine. Yeah. And, and they really like show that in almost every single story in this. Govey, are you a... Uh... I forget where you kind of fall on the Spider-Man love spectrum. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, I always love Spider-Man. It's what helped get me into comics, but um, some modern Spider-Man comics can be kind of hard to right, follow. Sure. <laughs> um, I think, like, but with all kinds of annuals like this, I think it, it's always kind of a hit or miss package of what you get. And it, and it also kind of helps showcase sometimes when there is really kind of standout talent yeah. Between like certain people, like uh, for me, I think like the Spider-Man, I mean, Dan Slott did the Sinister mm -hmm. 60th, which is one we loved with Peter Parker as a older Peter Parker. Um, Jonathan Hickman did one that's, that's kind of one. Uh, really very Hickman-ish, but works incredibly well for, for what it is, um, where Peter's kind of in this kind of junction point for the Spider-Verse and he's talking to other Peter Parkers from the multiverse about, you know, what what are you doing? Like how, why is it I always end up basically a loser and is this like a common thing? And then they have this fun with him and you know, they mess with him and they all are like, no dude, it's just you. And he has like this real crisis of conscience <laughs> first. Until so, like, yeah. they're like, no. And then it's again, and it's a lot like the first story. I think these annuals are best and, and this is best when it kind of is just a rumination on who Spider-Man is why he does what he does and what effect that has, which is all three of the stories we mentioned. The first story is about him and why he is a street level hero and will always kind of be a street level hero. The Hickman one is about him kind of knowing his own resolve and why he kind of endures all these hardships. And the 60 year old one is about, you know, the city of New York and people appreciating Spider-Man and who wow. he is and doing all that stuff. So. Love Those are that. always really good, but uh, you know some of the other stories are not as strong. Right. And, and yeah, it just showcases when there's real talent like Hickman or Dan Slott, and you know I don't I forget who wrote the first story, but uh, you know they're it, it's good. So it's hit or miss, and there were a lot of hits in this. Yeah, for, I think the batting average is pretty good. Solid yeah. on this, um, and then we'll move into another <laughs> longer longer book here. Uh, Anthony uh, Falcone was uh, the, and Michael Cho <laughs> did the first story, which again, yeah. This is, yeah, it, it's a great lead off. I thought yeah. it set the tone very well. Um, Harley Quinn, the animated series, the real sidekicks of New Gotham. I had to literally pull up the title again because it's such a long <laughs> title. Um, but this is, I remember when we talked to T. Franklin about the, the previous uh, series and she was super excited to uh, talk about Vixen and like Vixen was like going to come in, right? Yeah. And now... To me, Vixen and Elle are part, like, they're actually the stars of this book. And, you know, Harley and Ivy are just this kind of fun, really fun kind of, not background, but like supporting, yeah. definitely supporting characters. And they bring the fun and they bring the chaos a little bit. And then they have fun mixing around, especially with like Vixen's kind of torn between, you know, the fact that she is a full-time hero and her you know, her partner is like friends with these people that she would typically put away in jail mm -hmm. and stop. And so there's a lot of interesting things explored there. Uh, and then, of course, you get like the fun, tawny segments in between. Uh, and then, like, as the issue goes on, it's just more kind of like a typical, you know, anthology. It's really fun. I actually really enjoyed the <laughs> Clayface uh, Psycho Joker uh, storyline. And then we get a two Joker story towards the end. Did you... 
see the part I was I was talking about. I was just fast, for fast forwarding. <laughs> I was just skipping to it, but I I honestly don't want to spoil it for myself okay, because okay. I'm so excited. No. But I will say this book is like so satisfying. Yeah, really if you are a huge show fan like i love the show and everything about this book has been so fun and it relates oh i sense it uh -oh. i sense it i feel it yeah this so was curious. So we won't spoil that last part by the way um because i do want next time next next week yeah let me know what she's on okay about. but um, i do have to say just before kofi talks thank you kofi for he said he's like do not freak out about reading this entire thing. And I was like, oh, bless sure. you kind sir, I'm trying to plan a wedding. So I read, I only read a few, so I want to hear what you have to say, Kobe. For sure. uh, no, this was the one that made me think you've, Matt, you've gone mad with power in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you handed us an 80 page book. I'm sorry. Which is like a, a novella. Like I'm not reading any comic book novella, the Spider-Man. Listen, I, I tap out at like 60 pages. That's, that's about the most I'm gonna do. And that I'm has to so be like glad. an annual or a trade. Like unless it's a trade or graphic novel, like I tap out at 60. Yeah. So um, I I don't want to say bad things about Harley Quinn because I love Harley Quinn. I right. think it's a great mm -hmm. cartoon. But I think you have to be a very dedicated fan of the show right. to read this. I think I'm never a fan of this whole, and this goes for Harley Quinn, the X-Men stuff, the Batman stuff. I, I'm just never a fan of when we try to recreate cart especially cartoon or animated series in like reverse engineer them gotcha. back into comic yep. books because I, I i just and end up reading like it's the cartoon if it's done well i mm -hmm. can read it like it's the cartoon but for a book like this i lasted 20 pages and i was like <laughs> i can't like i just can't because harley quinn is so high octane like mm -hmm. that's true it's going it hitting you like all the time and with gags not, and zaniness true. and jokes yes. and i was just like mm -hmm. i can't i can't read 80 pages of this i will go insane you would have to take your time yeah sure. no I, it's just not for me i just need to see 20 minutes of the cartoon yeah, yeah and just be out like i can't I can't do doing this yeah. in a whole immersive world. It's just not for me. But um, I am going to go back and see this Joker story since you teased it. Yeah, but, uh, I, yeah I was just I like, this man's gone mad with but, power. But I do agree. <laughs> but I agree with you wholeheartedly. By the way, in that this this issue is too long. Like I understand, like this issue is too long. The Batgirl story, I enjoyed parts of it, and you know, like I'm just like typically predis predis. Oh my god, predisposed. Thank you to liking Batgirl stuff, but like. I didn't need that story. <laughs> I was I was very uh, the Joker uh, psycho story uh, was was fun, but I didn't need like they could have cut whole chunks of this out and I would have been just OK with having the Vixen L stuff. And then if you want to tag in the Joker stuff at the end, cool, uh, I would have been fine with that. So this was too long for me. And I actually took it in multiple sittings. So I totally with you on that. And I, I agree. Um, also, this is not as fast paced as the show. So I agree with you. Like mm -hmm. I would have totally loved to have seen an episode condense this and work around this and give us like the best parts. Or just like a feature, like a longer yeah. one. I would like totally be cool with that. But, but I did not, enjoy yeah, it. I'm not gonna, yeah, like, I'm not bad mouthing this comic. Right. Because I think the people who make Harley Quinn and people who write the coordinating comic did a good job yeah. of recreating the animated series as a comic book and yeah. giving you a lengthy yeah. comic book to spend some time with. I'm not mad at that. It's just, it's gonna hit a very, Specific target audience. Um, yeah, and I don't think I'm it. I'm like a casual fan of the show. But uh, yeah. it got renewed for season four. Yeah, Harley Quinn did. season four is happening. Yay! Yeah, we got, got some. We got some good and bad uh, news on the DC front this week. Uh, yeah, Harley Quinn season four got renewed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Abdul Martin apparently doesn't like Aquaman two, and uh, oh, some other stuff is happening. <laughs> yeah, he called his role in it a clown role, so uh, you know yeah. that, that sounds good. <laughs> So with that, let's move on. To and DC Marvel. fandom isn't happening. So yeah. great year. That DC oh, God, thing we did no. last year. I didn't yeah. know that part. Oh, yeah. No. So DC sad. fandom got canceled this year. So there's that no DC fandom. Yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, boo. Isn't that what? unbelievable? Yep. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. They got nothing to promote. They got nothing. That is. I so mean, what are they going to promote? They're going to go over all the dates that move. <laughs> it's just so going to be sad. a recap of like, yeah, I get yeah. it. I understand why. I guess I understand why they're not doing it. However, they do have a ton of comic stuff coming out. They also have a bunch of like bat wheels coming. Like they still have other Black Adam. They still have other stuff. 
But I do understand to a point of like with their. But you gotta listen. Movie. See, you gotta love just. Excuse my phrase, but you gotta love the bullshit of the industry. Like, you get, here's what Warner Brothers Discovery says: With the return of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our fans live at numerous comic cons around the world, and will not be scheduling DC Fandom for 2022. Wow. What I will tease though is we might have some cool <laughs> stuff coming for for we got New York Comic Con coming up. Yeah, I might go. be doing some cool stuff there you go. with DC. So maybe there's a silver line. Um, so I will move into uh, the last book um, and yeah we, they will they've confirmed they confirmed to us comic book that they will be at nycc but no word on who will be there yeah, or we'll what. see um so thunderbolts number one which I, honestly i thought was going to be the most divisive <laughs> of this yeah. of this thing because it's been a little divisive online and not even um you know, like just in a super polarizing, like I feel like you either really like this book or, or you didn't like this book um, just because of the approach it takes. Uh, so uh, this book takes the spins right out of Devil's Reign. Fisk doesn't have his, you know, he's he created his Thunderbolts. <laughs> Everyone, of course, now knows that all that was a sham and everything. And mm -hmm. they've now made Luke Cage their mayor. And so now Hawkeye is kind of trying to he wants to get back on the west coast and he's like oh you know let's start up a start up the team and stuff like that and then through a couple really actually i thought it was really interesting like everything i didn't like about this issue initially i ended up kind of looking at a little differently as it goes because it kind of goes back in these flashbacks throughout the issue filling in blanks so like when they would say certain taglines i was like what that sounds so corny why is that there and then you realize oh it was literally a marketing thing that someone gave to them that they have <laughs> to say so like some of those pieces started filling in and i yeah. actually enjoyed it more as i read um but here he ends up having a team picked for him so hawkeye is the leader of a team he has a team picked for him they've done all these pr groups of like here's who would work together and here's who goes well with this audience and then they have like the market, it's a brand. They're very much treating it as a brand. And then you kind of realize that he wasn't even the first pick for the leader of the team. And there's all this other stuff going on. And also there's a couple of characters that you don't really know so well. So it actually works as a, hey, let's introduce some people and also kind of put a platform on some people and lift some things. And we got a big name in Hawkeye, right? Mm -hmm. um, I just love that America's part of the team. I love oh, that Monica's yeah. part of the team. There's some, some really, I like the, I don't even know, I forget his name, the cable dude. He essentially reminds me of Cable yeah. so much, and I forget his name now. I'm blanking on his name, um, he's but he's kind of the central mystery or whatever. So there's just oh, a yeah, really at the end, yeah, he's having a moment. So there's just some really fun concepts here. And at first, I I didn't know how I felt about it. And as I went through, and even towards the end, I was like, okay, I kind of like what we're doing. I see what we're kind of being meta about some things and playing with some ironically very real concepts of how a superhero team would probably be put together in the yeah. real world. Um, <laughs> So, and Jib's Up is always good for some some jokes and things like that. So, I ended up liking it, but I was, like, conflicted for a while. And mm -hmm. I, I'm very intrigued to see where it goes next. But that was me. What you guys me think? Me, too. I'm excited to see, or I am intrigued. Intrigued is a good word. Uh, but I definitely, I, I'm excited to just see any characters that are not our mainstream characters. That right. we're just seeing all the time. Like, Batman, obviously, not Marvel. <laughs> no Batman but, this week! But yeah, no Batman. Even though I love Batman, it's just nice to get familiar with some of these characters that I need more exposure to. So, um, and it, it was just easy to like see what they do and what they're about. And the only thing that is like rubbing me the wrong way is like, would Luke Cage really be that, like would he really care that much what people thought about him? Like we need to get focus groups to figure out who would be the best for PR. I don't know, that just so is not a Luke thing to me. <laughs> like he seems like he's like, I don't care what people think of me. Yeah. Is that in my head? I don't know why, <laughs> I just was like, I'm not buying that he is this mayor that really cares like about like, oh my gosh, we have to make sure that we sign up people that will hit these specific demographics and i, I got know. more of the impression that it was kind of being like His forced team. on him okay. a little bit but also i agree with you like there is a fish out of water yeah. nature to him right maybe now that's purpose yeah maybe that's yeah. a purposeful thing but i agree that that's when you describe luke cage mayor i don't come away going oh yeah he probably had this <laughs> yeah. like these things tested and he thought <laughs> oh, this would go he would be like here's my team yep. here's whatever but i think they do a Decent enough job of kind of explaining like all the parameters that have to be in place to make it work. Yeah. So it was a little exposition heavy there, but I got why they were doing it. It was kind of okay. like, here's all the reasons why this we can make this book. Here's, yeah. <laughs> here's the reason for the book existing. <laughs> what did you think of? Um, I think I think there's a lot of fun in this, but like I, I don't know if 
this book quite knows what it is yet mm. and is still kind of figuring out. And I'm not sure that the hook they're going with is going to be kind of sustainable. Um, there's, there's a lot, like, I don't know if this book is taking itself seriously. The, you mean, the character we're talking about was named Guts and Glory. Thank you. Who's like a futuristic, <laughs> it not even got like on social media, started a whole stir because Rob Liefeld kind of got involved in that and was like, who the hell is this cable knockoff? And, you know, people were just, and even the creators of the book were just like, you know, Rob, uh, chill, like. I mean, he very is clearly inspired by cable. Yeah, but I thought but they that was said, the whole point. That's of what like, they said. They said, like, chill, dude, this is that, this is like our homage to yeah. 90s cyber soldier <laughs> kind of mania. Like, you weren't the, basically, you weren't the only one to ever yeah, create a, a cyber soldier in the 90s, which, you know, very much not. Like, everybody and their mother had a cyber soldier in the 90s. Right. So, Guts and Glory is very much supposed to be a spin on cable. Like, um, but yeah, but it's like, is this a derivative satire? Is this like a real kind of workplace? comedy like drama like mm -hmm. what is it is it an adventure thing i don't think it has this first issue does a good job of kind of laying out or attaching enough stakes to like what is the hook i mean the first thunderbolts book ends with this massive kind of fun right. twist and stuff like that that's how the series kind of hooked people um this is just kind of i don't know what it's going to be and i feel like I'm not trying to be down on it but i feel like at this early point this could be like one of our more forgettable versions of of the Thunderbolts that we saw, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I hope this is not the MCU thing. I really do. Yeah. I yeah. also think that I, I think you're right as in and as in opposed to, Hey, we're villains like that kind of huge reveal for like the book. They <laughs> took a trying to, they tried to take a character approach and go, Hey, here's like a small, reveal for like each person right so you're like america <laughs> barfs when she tries to use her powers and she's like that's not good clint sees like yeah. the darker version in the mirror like everyone I has their own thing like i mean like yeah like so in in these kind of things they tried to like hey here's a here's something for everybody and like maybe one of those or two of those will get you yeah i think maybe that's the approach they took i don't I was kind of hit and miss on it. So I, yeah, I, I came away kind of like, I'm good. I'm very intrigued to go into to issue two. I'm going to give it another issue to really see if it hooks me, but I didn't come away like, yeah, that's like one of my favorite books moving forward. Like I have to read that. So I'm, I'm kind of, I agree with you though. I think it needs to find its footing. It needs to She-Hulk episode three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and once it finds what it is and can run with that, I think it'll be off the I'm races. interested. So I would be down to read that one. But that's comics. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation, your one place where we do it all for geek culture. You can check out any of the larger topics we are discussing on the comicbook.com website where we have different channels for Marvel, DC, anime, wrestling, everything. So be sure to check out comicbook.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Comic Book Nation YouTube page where we drop episodes every week plus our own original content videos where we'll be kind of reacting to things and just talking about other stuff. We're also gonna get a community tab apparently started so we can kind of interact Ooh. with you guys over on the YouTube side uh, a little more often and just besides just talking during the show. And uh, yeah, if you wanna follow any of us, you can also follow Comic Book Nation on Twitter. You can follow me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And thank you for tuning in as always. And uh, yeah, have a great week out there in geek culture. And we will see you guys next week back here on Comic Book Nation. Peace. Thanks, guys. Peace.